Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Attacking Two. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow host, Andy Martin, and by returning guest, and as my Andy will be uh, leaving the podcast, uh, unfortunately, uh, due to personal uh, reasons, we are ecstatic to welcome a new host to our podcast, and that is Lawrence. Some might know him in the Chelsea scene or not, who knows, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'd expect most people to know who Lawrence is. Uh, Lawrence, great to have you on board. Well, thank you for asking me. Obviously, thank you for, well, thank you to Andy for kind of handing over, I guess. Obviously, don't make it sound so serious. You know, saying personal notes sounds so, I don't know, so dramatic. It's nothing serious. Andy's fine. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's nothing serious. So like I say, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, well, it's just great to do this. Like, I'm looking forward to it. And I hope we can do a lot with it. And um, yeah, you know, just let Andy talk about, you know, his last hosting part of a podcast. The, the last words, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad, obviously, that I can hand over my role on the podcast to another Austrian chap. Uh, you, you know I like you. Um, and, uh, no, um, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously a pleasure to have my, my last episode here on the podcast. Looking forward. Uh, there could be a better day to kind of leave the podcast after yet another trophy for Chelsea Football Club. So, obviously, very delighted to be here. Absolutely. I mean, got a lot to talk about after yesterday. Was an absolutely phenomenal evening. Uh, also, a lot to talk about in regard to the future. Um, so, as we have now addressed the change of roles. Uh, Let's get right into this. So, as always, you know the question. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. All right. Okay, lads. I mean, Andy and I watched the game together uh, yesterday, even so we know how ecstatic and how absolutely bonkers we went. Um, but, Lawrence, I mean, did you ever think that we'd just, like, how in 23 minutes, four goals? I mean, that was ridiculous. Nah, honestly, like, if, if, any, if anyone watching watched my previews or just followed me on Twitter or whatever, I was not confident whatsoever. Ever since Loftus-Cheek got injured, I was like, we are not winning this. Like, there is, in my head, realistically thinking, there was no chance. Like, I don't know. I was like, we're not going to be good enough to defend against Aubameyang and Lacazette. And then without Loftus-Cheek, we can't attack anyway. And yeah. then it was like, the only saving grace we have, or had in my head, was Hazard doing something, out of, you know, something ridiculously special, which he sometimes does, but not actually that often when the rest of the team doesn't do that well. That's but yesterday... True. He did something special and the rest of the team, again, did pretty well, especially in the second half. Um, well, somehow we just, you know, just pulled it out the bag. I don't really know how. And like you say, <laughs> it was just, you know, I went ballistic, especially for the second goal. Because the first goal, I'm like, we, we took the lead plenty of times this season and then it didn't end up going that well, you know. Mm. So only the second goal that made me feel a lot more secure. The third goal, of course, even better. And then the fourth one just sealed it. I mean... Once they got their goal back and then we were like, nah, you're not getting any hope today and don't just make it 4-1. It was, it was beautiful. It was some very good goals. Although, to be fair, the best goal of the night was certainly Iwobi's. Um, there were some great goals in there, some great football, some great dedication, some hard-working players. And just just the delight after it, the delight by Sari, the delight by a lot of the players, really good running around on crutches and hitting everyone with his crutches, which was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Um, and then when when he got his medal, like Caballero being stood behind him and just holding him so he doesn't fall over onto his injured knee, <laughs> it's just it was great. Um, but yeah, unbelievable night. I mean, it is only the Europa League, so it is not like 2012. Of course, it isn't, but it's still good. And um, I guarantee that had Valencia beaten Arsenal, we wouldn't feel as great as we do right now because beating Arsenal in the final made it a lot bigger and a lot. I don't know, just more special and just a lot more fun, especially with how confident the Arsenal fans were, you know, pre-fine. I, I watched actually uh, the preview uh, between Luis and um, Troops. 
on, on YouTube. And I mean, I, I think troops did then say after the game, yeah, this is going to be, you know, meme material for the future. But they were so confident. He, you know, it was like, no problem. You know, we're going to do this. To be fair, when I think about what we were talking about pre, pre-game yesterday in the studio, most people weren't confident. Only when the news broke, the team news broke, Golo uh, Kante is able to play, did actually, you know, the spirits get lifted. I mean, and what, what was your feeling when we got the news, hey, Kante's fit enough to play, even though nobody thought he would be? Yeah, it was a sign. Of hurt for me um, because I could get myself up to this game. I'm, I'm, if I'm brutally honest, you know, thinking back, even FA Cup games where we had, like, let's say, FA Cup semi-finals four years ago, I was more up for these games. And I, I just, I was just sitting at home prior to to the game and thinking, wow, if we go there and we concede, we're going to lose and lose in terrible fashion. And then I played the game once, twice three times, four times, and then kind of like I, I got myself up to it, but I, I still wasn't confident. As we walked into the studio, uh, uh, obviously your team use, Kante playing, Shiru uh, through the middle, which was uh, not a surprise, but still I, I thought if, if you play Higuain, we had a, uh, a worse chance of winning. And then, yeah, uh, first 30 minutes weren't convincing as well. Uh, Arsenal had us more or less... Um, with these with these cross diagonal balls, that was something to look at. Um, but still, I was happy that we didn't concede in the first half, and everything everything fell into place so perfectly in the second half. It's hard to find words for it. Um, it was just flashes of brilliance, and yeah, once once Arsenal, um, we knew that they weren't coming back. Even with the Iwobi goal, it was kind of like yeah, they 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 have they have a goal now, but the way it, the the game went the same way. Um, I said, and this is this maybe sounds terrible, but um, I thought if we had conceded first, we would have lost four one. It was just one of these games, but yeah, obviously we this this football club is about winning. I thought we had lost the the DNA over the years, and that's maybe why I wasn't confident. But still, when we go to European finals, we usually win them. If a certain place don't slip up, and um, that's and that's how how glad I am to be a Chelsea fan because we are not a bottle job, um, not like Arsenal. Fair, fair. A bit harsh, maybe, but fair. No, I mean, they didn't play well yesterday, and I think mm. most Arsenal fans will agree on that. They just showed no heart at all, no desire, and once those two goals went in in you know short succession, pretty much done and dusted, which is, of course, maybe... A bit sad because maybe you know a bit more uh, of a spectacle would have been good, but as there was no actual atmosphere there due to different reasons, it was always difficult. But I mean, a win's a win, and to be fair, it's a European Cup. You know, at the moment we can actually sing Champions of Europe. Sunday maybe Champions of Europa sounds better, but generally for now we are the Champions of Europe. Also, I think I can speak for most Chelsea fans. I really want to win that Super Cup. I really do. That's one in the trophy cabinet that we haven't had yet. So that would be brilliant. But, um, I mean, one of the main talking points yesterday was, of course, uh, Eden Hazard. One could say a man of the match performance. Um, Two goals, one assist, if I'm not mistaken, for Pedro's goal. So brilliant performance, even though he wasn't too good in the first half. I mean, Lawrence, what what is left of his legacy? I mean, he's given us a brilliant parting gift. Um, I think most of us knew he's going to go. He did say it does seem like it's going to be goodbye. Are you are you gutted? Are you, are you mad? I mean, I've seen different reactions on Twitter, but for me personally, I couldn't really be mad about him. No, I. I, I mean, if you've seen it, fair enough, but I've not seen anybody be angry at him and I wouldn't really understand why. I mean, the only thing you can criticise is that he could have been more open to the club about wanting to leave a bit sooner, but maybe he just did hadn't made his mind up up until two weeks ago, like you said. Maybe. I mean, that's 
you know, up to him. He still has a year, of, you know, left on his contract. He shouldn't be forced to make any decisions earlier. So I don't think we can really criticize him. I mean, he gave us seven great, years, say six great years. One of them was poor, <laughs> but he gave us six great years. And even though last summer he did say after the World Cup he kind of fancies a new challenge, but then it didn't happen because Chelsea simply said no, you're not leaving. And then he gave us his best ever season. You know, yes, you can talk about maybe, you know, he wanted to show himself even more to Real Madrid. But at the end of the day, I don't even care. If he gets us top four and wins us a title, I don't really care why. Like, in the end, he did it for us, not for for Real Madrid, you know. The performances, the goals, the assists. So, I'm happy with that. When you talk about a legacy, that's where, you know, as much as he might be the most gifted player to ever play for Chelsea Football Club, even though I had never really seen Zola play, um, it's still a completely different type of legend or whatever compared to like a Frank Lampard, a John Terry or a Didier Drogba. Like when you talk about a legacy, you know, that spine we had, that was a legacy we had and we left. I don't think Hazard really leaves that much of a legacy except playing great football, if you mean. Like I don't think he himself is the, you know, the ignition of our winning mentality. I don't think he himself is the ignition of everything good. Like, you know, you can have Hazard score three goals, but if the defence bottle it, you know, it's not going to happen. But if DJ Drogba played well and scored, there was no chance we weren't winning that game. There was no chance on earth that was ever happening. And that is kind of where I still see a difference. It doesn't mean I don't see Hazard as a legend. It doesn't mean I want to criticise him or, I don't know, hit a bad note today or whatever. But, you know, it's just sometimes people I don't want to say overhype him, but, and you know, he is as good as everyone says he is. Of course he is. Oh, definitely, yeah. I just mean in... As in how important he was and is for the club. Yes, he scored what? He was involved in 49% of all our goals this season, which is ridiculous and scary to think about for next season, quite frankly. Scary. Um, but at the end of the day, you never know if whoever plays there instead, you know, does then 40% of it. Yes, you know, I'm not, we don't know that. I mean, it, probably not, but we don't know that for sure. I, I'm not saying, you know, he's not good enough or not a legend or any of that. I'm just saying, because you said the word legacy, I'm like, I don't know. Is there a legacy? I mean, would you say there is a legacy as such? Well, I think we, you know, not only in football, we all live, uh, you know, live our life and then we leave a legacy. In what form? It differs, of course. So he will uh, leave a legacy. But of course, comparing the names that you mentioned, like Frank Lampard, Peter Cech and so on, I I thought the same. Yeah, I, I would even title, I mean, they're all legends, but Frank Lampard, John Terry, and the lot of those, that generation, those were heroes for me. Those are childhood heroes. Those were heroes that you could always trust. I mean, that's how I define a hero, that it will always come good. No matter, you know, how shit it looks, 2012 against Barcelona, I mean, no one would have uh, thought we will come back from that. And our players, those heroes, they showed on the field why we can always believe in them. Hazard isn't that kind of player. When we're playing well, or when not even when we're always playing well, I mean, he can just, you know, uh, come up with brilliance. And that is something that we will be sorely missing, but he'll never be a hero for me. That, that's the differentiation, I mean, term, we're talking about terminology, that I would make. Andy, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think... Um... Legacy defines itself maybe after you've left. Then uh, you say, okay, what are the memories that he's given to us? When I take into the future, say, when I'm sitting here in 10 years' time as a 33-year-old, maybe podcasting again, what will I say about Eden Hazard? And the things would be, I assume, that um, in 10 years' time, there won't be a more gifted player playing for Chelsea Football Club. And I will be saying, well, his videos, that, that's what Eden Hazard, number 10 for Chelsea, um, did do for us. And it, it were brilliant times. We won uh, two titles when he was playing here uh, in the Premier League. We had, yeah, brilliant moments. He carried us for maybe, yeah, even half of the, of the time he was here. To be perfectly honest, he never really, except for... Um, Didier rock by the end of it, and and um, of course had a had a had a striker, so it was all on him. Um, I think his antics at point, like he's for me, even though he's he's twenty eight years of age, 
he's a little bit of a child, and that's maybe uh, what you said when you say these players were heroes. Eden Hazard was just a gifted player. He was not one to uh, to stand above everyone else when he was he was needed maybe to be a leader. So he was he was he's also um this this these whole talks about him leaving or staying and him not really being decisive was kind of like a thing that it wasn't getting on my nerves necessarily but i i thought even yesterday if there was any other player doing that like let's say for instance william was doing that uh, going going to the media and saying um one thing one day and then the other thing the next day we were, would go ballistic. We would absolutely lose our shit about him. It's just because he's gifted and he, he is allowed things that other players aren't. Um, I think I, I wouldn't hold it against him, but I think it leaves a, a little bit of a sour taste. Um, I can't, however, say that he, he has ever said Chelsea is his boyhood club and he wants to, he wants to play Chelsea since he can't leave. He has never said that. He has always said Real Madrid is the, is the club of his dreams. And if um, there is one time to pursue his dreams, it's when you're 20, 28 years of age. Um, it's the perfect time to be for him. So holding nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think th- this is going to be his last big move. I mean, it was now or never. Um, I don't think that Real Madrid would have waited another year, to be honest. They, they need to rebuild ASAP. So... If they wouldn't have gotten Eden Hazard, who knows, maybe they would have gotten Nicolas Pepe or whoever else. I mean, it'll be interesting because Hazard will be going up against uh, Vinicius, if I pronounce him correctly, Vinicius Jr., who plays on the left and he's been pretty good this season for them. So, you know, I think all Chelsea fans will wish him well, uh, ultimately, because the guy's just, he's given us so many moments of happiness uh, over the years two titles uh, Premier League titles, two Europa Leagues, two FA Cups and a League Cup, not to forget that I mean, we couldn't ask for more, I mean it's basically with the exception of the 15-16 season, we've won a trophy every year Um, well actually no, 2013-14 also not, uh, didn't, but generally it was a brilliant uh, success his tenure here, so I think when he does leave, we should all be happy for him. Hope that Real Madrid fans don't tear him apart and that he will end his career there and maybe even come back one day in another role, though I can't actually uh, really think about that yet because, I don't know, it seems a bit weird thinking about Hazard being a manager or some other role compared to, you know, the big greats like Peter Cech, who will be coming back. And that's actually the next point that I want to talk about. Peter Cech yesterday, arguably Arsenal's best man on the field. Um, Not that that was a big challenge, but, you know, a lot of people said he was their man of the match uh, among a very, very dire side. He had tears in his eyes. Of course, you know, he lost the final. uh, It's the last game of his career, but... Peter Cech, sporting director. I'm excited. What do you think? I mean, Lawrence, this is exciting, right? I mean, we've been craving one for ages. It is exciting. It is very exciting. And it, I hope it's a good move on a, like a board level for, you know, for the first time in a pretty long time. Mm. At the same time, though, I always question these appointments of just appointing a, an ex-player, especially straight after their retirement. Like, so what exactly are his credentials as a sporting director? Like, I know it's not exactly being a manager, but you still sort of need to kind of know what you're doing and not be, go to training and play football every day up until then because mm-hmm. it's, you, that's not what you actually end up doing. Like, If you turn up as a goalkeeper coach, that's maybe a different story kind of been doing that for the last 15 years but he's never been a sporting director so you know that doesn't mean that i think it's a bad move that just means that i don't think we will see the proper fruition of it for the next two years maybe that he will that we will need to give him time that the club will need to give him time to properly find his feet in a role like that um or maybe get some help by someone else whoever that may be i don't know um 
But, you know, I don't think you can expect miracles and Petr Cech to be, you know, the sporting director of, of bloody dreams from, you know, from July onwards. I think that would be a little bit too much to expect. But I think it's certainly good to have someone with a status within the club, back in the club, that might be able to basically have a bit more of a stronger back and forth with, uh, with Marina and be a better middleman between Marina and the manager. A bit like Emanala used to be, but he just got caught in the wildfire of Conte and Marina and couldn't really handle it, it seemed. And maybe Petr Cech is more up to that, especially with possibly Frank Lampard coming to Chelsea eventually. I don't think it's going to be this summer, but eventually probably will be there. And, you know, then that structure, you know, it's kind of just starting to come into place. I'm not sure what we're going to do with John Terry because pretty sure he wants to be main, you know, first team manager of Chelsea as well, which is a bit of an issue. Um, you know, maybe Drogba comes back as a striking coach, you know, for Tammy Abraham. Yeah. That'd be good. But, um, you know... It's a start, and I'm happy about it. That, I mean, that bringing the old bad back together, that would be quite awesome <laughs> achievement. I mean, one thing that they would definitely achieve with these kind of appointments is that you'd more or less get the connection back to the fans. There's that link, uh, which we thought would actually happen with Gianfranco Zola. And, you know, I think there's nobody on this planet that would say, I don't like Zola. I mean, the guy, you can just have to, love him you want to cuddle him he's the guy's just so such a friendly geezer but you know there have been calls isn't he maybe a bit too overly friendly to the players as well you know he one we we don't know to be to be fair one can't say for sure um we don't listen to their conversations their private ones um but you'd expect if Sari were to leave at some point, then Gianfranco Zola will go with him. Whether he'd then take uh, an ambassador role or some other technical role in club, we wouldn't have to see. But talk, uh, you know, continuing with uh, Peter Cech, um, I mean, Andy Lawrence, uh, you know, he addressed something very pivotal in this whole uh, sporting director's search. Does he have the credentials? I mean, just to put this in mm. my in the room, um, he's a very intelligent guy. He speaks loads of different languages. He's got a great, as that Lawrence said that, but he's got a great connection to the the hierarchy. Um, diplomatic. He's got charisma. He knows his football. You'd expect. I mean, could this nevertheless be some uh, a role that he can't fill yet? Mm. Well, he has the basis, the basis to be successful in this role. Um, I would absolutely agree. Maybe yeah, you, you mentioned uh, languages he speaks. He mentions, you, you mentioned um, the surrounding that he knows. He, you mentioned um, also maybe the, the way he deals with things. But this could also be the problem. Because honestly, um, let's remind us back on on the days where Thibaut Courtois came into the club and he was uh, more or less handling one quarter K from him by Mourinho, where he said, well, I haven't decided. You will see on the, uh, on, the on the first game day. And that was against Burnley, I remember. And I was sitting there uh, watching the line. And of course, the decision was give the younger goalkeeper the crack. And, and Thibaut Courtois was the number one for that season. And Peter Cech was number two. And... You could say he handled it professionally because there was never um, any bad headlines about Jose Mourinho uh, under under this campaign. But maybe as as legend at this stage, he was ten years ago. He should have had a say. He should have maybe worked with Jose Mourinho and get, got got more games. So maybe judging after that, he's a yes man. And if if that is the case, if they knew um, that he is um, arguably immense but a yes man and he doesn't know his role because he has he is a professional football player at the end of the day and he is doing a job that he uh, isn't by no means equipped of, of doing yet then he might have assistance and these assistants are most likely being being given their um their agenda by marina so he via assistance is going to be spoon-fed what marina wants so once he maybe is ready, he's already indoctrinated by everything Marina wants and uh, he can't make his own decision. But maybe that's, that's just a, a really bad outlook on the situation. 
but I think um, not a big deal will change next and it's just good to have kind of that figure that re represents us um, and also for players maybe incoming players not, not next season obviously but when you have, have someone like Peter Cech coming up to your training your hotel room and, and saying we want you uh, for Chelsea FC it's a better statement than having some some Russian girl coming up and saying, yeah, uh, we have the big money and come to our football club. It's just, it, I think that's what you want to hear. That's what you want to see as a football player joining a football club. The representative is, is meeting you and telling you why you should be a football club. So for that sake alone, I'm happy to have Peter check. Mm. I mean, Can so I just in intervene there quickly? Mm. Because yeah. I was wondering whether you have the same opinion of John Terry because he was like, no, nah, I'm happy to not play if that means the team is winning in the season we won the title on the constant. Because he wasn't exactly like, no, nah, mate, I need to play more because I'm the captain. I've been here for 20 years or whatever, which is kind of basically the same thing as what happened with Czech, it's, except that it's a goalkeeper uh, where it's just one position and not even just three. So you could argue it's actually worse for John Terry. I get where you're coming from. But I'm just wondering whether you see it the same way for, for example, Terry. I get your argument. I get your argument. And um, I think um, it's valid. However, the only difference is that um, John Terry was 35, 36 years of age. He was at the end of his career. Uh, as a goalkeeper, Peter Cech, you see, he, has, he had four years at Arsenal. So he was well within um, the bracket of still play to uh, to the world-class level. And... Um, he was not finished at all. So I, I think with John Terry, if he came two years earlier, as he came with uh, Rafa Benitez, he had a fallout with Rafa Benitez, didn't yeah, he? That's different. So Rafa he Benitez, had... they had history. That you have to always have to keep in mind they had history. And at the same time, like I, I, I know what you're saying, but it's not really about where, to me anyway, where the player is in their career. It's more about are they better or worse than whoever is playing instead of them. And Courtois, mm -hmm. at that time, Yes, he was probably not a lot better, but with being so much younger, that just puts him above in my head. That's why it made sense to make that decision. Like, you, you'd be a bit silly to start check over Courtois when Courtois says, well, if I'm not starting, I'm leaving. And then you have a goalkeeper there. So, you know, at the end of the day, whether check sits on the bench or not, there's two options. Either he sits on the bench or he leaves. He was never going to start. Like, that was never going to happen. Like, even if he made a fuss out of it, he was never going to end up playing out of nowhere. Mm. For sure, you know, club-wise, it made sense, of course. Uh, from a Chelsea perspective, I would always ha have given um, Courtois the crack. However, being Peter Cech, uh, I would have taken it with, what would I say, with, with a lot more pride in, in, in standing up maybe to this and, and saying, well, I'm not accepting number two. At least um, give me half of the games or at least give me a chance when, when, he's, when he's doing stupid mistakes. But he has never he has never done that, and maybe at the stage in of his career where I still expected it him to do that. But however, um, th that is just a sign for me that he might be a yes man, and that's the reason why he he got the job. But maybe I'm wrong, and I hope I'm wrong. I mean, one could also say maybe he just you know accepted Jose Mourinho's uh, opinion because I mean they have a respect for Jose Mourinho, the whole brigade. So um, you know if the manager says. You're gonna play. You're not gonna play. You know, just try your best. And he will have tried his best in training. Then Peter Cech will have accepted that because he's just, you know, the ultimate professional. I don't think they. I really don't, don't think that he's a yes man. And this is also a new role. I mean, people are, you know, players, and then they're completely different. Uh, a completely different person in, for example, a sporting director position. So. I think one just has to look at that because Jose Mourinho, for example, was a crap player, but he's a great manager or was, you know, depends on how you, how you define him nowadays. But you get my point. The same with a lot of other players. So we'll just have to wait and see. But moving, moving along to one of the more pressing issues, uh, Lawrence already mentioned with Frank Lampard maybe coming in. Uh, uh, Marito Sari. I don't know about you, but I, as I know that we're all, you know, Kind of, I, I'm not sure about Andy. He's on the fence, I think, there more. But in regard to Moritz Osari, I was absolutely, I was so happy for him when I saw that video of him looking at the medal 
Oh my god, that that was that was so adorable. It, it was just so nice to see him, and that whole argument of him not having won anything finally being laid to rest. I mean, it seems ludicrous that the thought even comes to mind. But could it be that he then leaves Chelsea? Will he get the sack? I mean, it could also be that he says, "Yeah, you know, fight." I've done my my thing in England. You're not really rating me. The fans are a pain in the ass. I'm off back to Italy. Lawrence, what, what what's your view on the situation? See, I personally think that he's being a lot more honest than people think that he's being. In the post-match press conference, for example, last night when he said, well, I'll talk to the club and they'll tell me what they want me to improve and I'll tell them what I want them to improve and then we'll see. And I think that's actually pretty much spot on. I think that that's actually what's going to happen and what's going to decide whether he's going to stay. Because if he doesn't get more backing, that doesn't necessarily mean financial backing right now with the transfer ban. Because I think we've all accepted by now that we are taking the transfer ban right now for the upcoming two windows. Um, I think that just means just the backing within the club, just supporting him, just making you know clear to fans, this is what's happening, making it clear to the media, this is what's happening. Just Because as a club, you can stop that talk. You can stop that talk every week. Are we going to sack the manager? You can do that if you want to. But Chelsea have never been like that. We've never tried to do any of that. We've never tried to control the media in any sense, except by feeding Matt Law with some things. Um, like even Seth Fabregas said it, you know, Chelsea could have stopped this whole turmoil that we're in pretty much every season. You know, I mean, OK, every season is maybe a bit harsh, but almost every season, let's be honest. Yeah. There's always something, you know. Even when we won the title, it was like Diego Costa in January was you know, just not in the squad for two games because of a back problem. And then he gets sent a text message and he's gone after we just broke all sorts of records with Antonio Conte. Then you're like, can it not just be normal for once? And like, it's always something. And um, that's why I think if the club promise him that backing, whether they will actually stick to that promise, I don't know. But if they promise him that, I think he, from his perspective, will say, I'll give it another year or I'll give it as long as it needs, I guess, or as he wants um, or as he gets. And from the club's perspective, I don't think they'll get rid of him. I don't think they'll want to pay off another manager. I don't really believe the rumours that he's first on Juventus's wish list. He might yeah. be on their wish list, but I don't believe that he's top of their wish list. Um, you know, if they pay him out, maybe that's a different story. And then maybe he'll want to go because saying, well, I can go to Juventus. I'm basically guaranteed the league title here. I'm getting paid more and they like me a lot more, so why on earth wouldn't I go? Like, I totally understand him if he went to Juventus. That would make total sense. Like, just looking, you know, as if I was him. Um, but yeah, I don't see him leaving. I don't see with Frank Lampard losing the playoff final. Obviously, I'm not saying that was his fault. That was his goalkeeper's fault, <laughs> if anything. Because um, he can't catch a ball, apparently. Um, but is, is that enough? Like, I, I'm not sure about you two, but I don't think Frank Lampard right now would be a smart idea in the slightest. It would be ridiculously stupid, in my opinion. Because both is Frank Lampard not ready yet, in my opinion, but also the club isn't ready for Frank Lampard. It's not just about Lampard oh. being ready. It's also about the other way. Because yeah. we'd, we'd get rid of him in a season or two, and then we'd destroy the whole legacy. Of course, he would still be a legend within the fans and stuff, but it would still be a different climate between player and club, or well, former player, between Lampard and club anyway. So I don't think we're ready for that. I don't think he's ready for that. So as bad as it sounds, and I've said this before, just let Sarri see out the bad period of the transfer ban and then we'll see where we are. Just get the youth in, get us playing better football and then we, we can see whether we get Lampard in, in say, two years or whatever. Yeah. I mean, but Andy, before, before we go into more detail about Lampard, because it does seem as if it's more of a matter of when than if nowadays, even if he doesn't come in this summer... Um, What's your view on Sari? Uh, does he deserve to stay on? Uh, could he have done anything better this season? What, what do you think? Well, I don't even want to talk season-wise because I've, I've done that on so many occasions. Mm. I think the only point of criticism was ever that we, that we are too weak-minded and that we do mistakes over and over again. And if we had performances like yesterday, I think... There wouldn't even be a discussion. I think that's what most True. of the fans, uh, certainly myself, were cr crying out for, that we actually take a game by the scruff of the neck, being the more mature side, and then um, obviously win, uh, because uh, this football club is winning. I, I, I told you um, before as well, it's not really the fashion in which we win. Maybe that will change, because that's what that was the initial thought. 
to bring Sarri in. But um, you have to win. That's that's the the, the basics of, of Chelsea Football Club. It doesn't matter how. Um, now, with uh, third place and the Europa League win, uh, can't really fire him. If, if, if you do, you're just blatantly stupid. As Especially with um, the next season, with the circumstances of next season being given, uh, Lauren said it already, uh, to chuck a, a manager in, especially if his name is Frank Lambert in such a situation. I think Sarri's now, with one year at the club, developed a situation where he can say, all right, I, I, know, I know my squad. Um, there won't be much changes in personnel anyway because we can't do them. And yeah, we see that season, season through. Um, maybe secure yet again Champions League. However, in which way he ever wants to do that, I'm not sure because I'm not confident. Um, but yeah, maybe we can do that. Um, and then if that is, is the perfect, uh, I guess it's the perfect scenario you can provide Frank Lampard for. When you, when you say, right, uh, we're getting uh, Champions League football yet again, and we haven't maybe the finances because we haven't spent for two windows that we actually can challenge also in a transfer window with the big boys, um, that, would be, that would be enormous. Because also the Eden Hazard money can't be really spent, so that carries on until uh, the window next summer. Um, and that would be the perfect scenario to get Frank Lampard into that seat. Um, maybe one or two words on Frank Lampard as well. Um, I said last on last week's podcast I don't want him to win um, the player final because I, I think with the side he had in, in Derby County, he would be hopeless in the Premier League, and he would have would have gotten sacked. Uh, I assume when he when he gets relegated, you don't you don't go up and go down unless you're Burnley and keep the manager. That's what you don't do. It's it's very difficult for Chelsea then to appoint a second. So I just like to develop in 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 championship. That scenario would be he um, gets direct promotion next season and then goes to Chelsea. I mean, to be fair, it has shown, and he's, I think he said it himself. He's still got a lot to learn and a long way to go before he can really be. Uh, classified as, you know, a great manager. I mean, we know the guy's got unlimited football knowledge. He's a very, very intelligent person. I mean, not only intelligent as we say, he's got a really high IQ. And even though that doesn't mean that, you know, you're a great football manager because you've got a high IQ, it's a great attribute to have uh, in the game. And tactically speaking, I'm sure he's very astute. I mean, I feel in inclined to agree on you with the Derby situation regarding I don't think they they would have stayed up um they would have probably gone down again it's a great address also to have because we can send them Ethan Ampadu maybe I mean I think he's ready for the Premier League but you never know any any Deshaun Redden for example or anyone who we could send there like Tamori once again would be good but um and we can trust Frank there so We'll, we'll just have to wait and but see. But maybe, there. Jimmy, one more. Yeah. Sorry, you mentioned yesterday that it's it is likely that Mason is not alone to Derby. Didn't you say that? No, I said it's very likely that Mason Mount will come back to Chelsea because of Ruben Loftus Cheek's uh, injury. I remember the conversation that you were talking about. Whoever we were talking with said that, but not me. I, I said that Ruben Loftus Cheek, uh, his injury. I, I think we wouldn't have actually brought him back if uh, Ruben wouldn't have been injured. I, I'm pretty sure he would have been loaned then, but as we have no choice because we mm. go in with Barkley. I mean, that's it, you know, unless we do still buy Kovacic, but still, you know, you know, we need goals from that position. And, you know, it doesn't mean that Mason Mount will score them, but at least he's got it in his locker. Mm. So um, I, I don't think so because... Uh, Oh, God, what's his name? Something. Um, oh, whatever. I can't remember. But anyway, the, the owner of Derby uh, said that, you know, it, it, we're going to try and get Tamori back uh, and maybe the one or the other name on from Chelsea's academy slash loan army. But uh, he said he's pretty confident that Mason Mount won't be coming back. So that already tells you. Either we're planning to send him to the Premier League or we're actually going to make use of it. Um, it does seem as if it's going to be the latter. So, exciting. But, I mean, the ideal yeah. situation would be getting Mount in now, 
with Barkley and Loftus-Cheek. And then once Mount is good enough, we just sell Barkley. And then just have Ruben and Mesa Mount. Because no one needs Barkley, let's be honest. Yeah. And um, as for Kovacic, I mean, we need a, re- a backup for Jorginho. So that's why I bloody hope we sign him because otherwise we're absolutely screwed there. Like the guy's already played what? Jorginho, hasn't he played like in 60 of the 63 games or something stupid? He's, he's featured at least in that many games, definitely. Yeah, he, I'm not the guy runs the most in every single bloody game. I don't know how he does it. He's more of a machine than Kante. He doesn't run as quick, <laughs> but he still runs. <laughs> Would you I keep mean, Yoko Lawrence? Keep who? Bakayoko? Yeah. Oh. Mm. He's not a register, that we can say for sure. No, 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 for sure not. But I think he could, in certain games, be a backup for Kante, a replacement for Kante in that role, when you need a bit of a taller guy in there. But for that to work, I think he would have needed to be here this season and learn from Sarri for a season. I don't think a summer will be enough for him to be good enough on the ball to do their job. So that's why I don't think Sarri will want to keep him. Even though I think it wouldn't be the worst idea. He didn't want to keep him last summer either. Exactly. You know, that, shouldn't forget that, that he was actually sent on loan because he wasn't deemed good enough, it seems. you know. I know he had a bad season, but still, you know, Sarri will have had... But was that up to Sarri or was he loaned out before? No, he definitely played under Sari because I can remember uh, Sari uh, subbing him on. Uh, he definitely... At oh, yeah, yeah, he played in played... Perth, didn't he? He played in Australia in that game. Yeah, something like that. I, I have no clue. I can't even remember who we played against in pre-season last year because that is just that not important. So, uh, yeah, but he definitely featured. That I can remember. Um have to wait and see. Maybe you'll evaluate. I mean, we've still got Marco Van Ginkel. Uh, there's a... <laughs> I know he's, yeah, he's actually he's old by now. Like, isn't he like twenty-five or something? Yeah, he's yeah, not, he is. Not that, you know, it's not that old. You know, he's he's a goal-scoring midfielder. Yeah, he's but penalties, since when but... do Chelsea play people at twenty-five and basically signed them from PSV at twenty-five? It's not quite our level, is it? Like, no, but you know, never never forget the the whole Victor Moses uh, situation. I mean, I know that was just a system-specific um, uh, th- uh, thing, but. Don't don't forget that this situation we find ourselves in, that is normal. Nothing is normal on this. We're in the transfer oh, yeah. ban. We, the, the, you know, we're in need of things that we can't buy. So it's, I really cannot foresee what the club wants to do if we accept this. Yeah. Come. So, you know what? I mean, let's have a bit more respect for a guy who looks exactly like you for for starters in Marco Funke. Uh, uh, what? Second thing, um, second thing, Bakayoko. I mean, if you send out uh, Ross Barkley and, and and Seth, why don't give give Bakayoko a crack? I mean, it's all about squad depth in in a situation where we can't buy players. So it would be stupid to to sell too many if you can't bring any in. The, the difference between Barkley and Bakayoko is that Barkley is English. That's why Barkley's in the squad and Bakayoko isn't. But I think not you also because of meant, ability. <laughs> I think you also meant uh, sell Barkley at a later stage, not now. I mean, we'd be stupid to sell him. No, now. no, no. Of course, Huge. but yeah. it's just because Andy said if we can play Barkley, you might as well play Bakayoko as well because Barkley's not oh. that much better. And I completely get his point. Yeah. The difference is just nationality. Oh, yeah, but not only that, but can score goals mm-hmm. for that left centre mid position in Sari's system. You need a goal scoring midfielder at least potentially. You know. Barkley doesn't score a lot, but he can theoretically score goals. The same as Mason Mount, Loftus-Cheek, etc. Bakayoko, have you seen him shoot? I mean, he got... Well, I mean, he's, he's scored, he scored more last season than... than he scored like four goals. Barkley only scored five. Okay, and, but nevertheless... And, that was went, a, and three of them went to Europa League. So. I mean, we, we don't know. You know, if he plays against, I don't know... Uh, what was it, Spaz or something, you know, which would be League One in England. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, un- Chelsea scored four goals last season. Yeah, but he had performances like against Watford, so that doesn't count. Oh, yeah, I'm just saying, the goal-scoring <laughs> thing isn't that much worse than Barkley. I think I think that's debatable because Barkley just, from even if Debakayoko scored five, four goals or five goals, whatever he, did, he scored, um... Barkley generally just the way he plays, even though it's not good uh, at times, it's just 
more fitting to oh, yeah. Sarah's system than Bakayoko. Yeah, I don't think we were talking about Bakayoko in that role, if anything, as a backup to Kante rather than on the left. No, but that's what, what uh, Andy was talking about when selling Barkley for, you know, sell Barkley but keep Bakayoko because uh, we already spoke about this briefly yesterday uh, in the studio that on the left, he, don't, he, he doesn't work. You know, we've seen with Kovacic this season when we play someone who more or less goes to the penalty box and then just wants to turn around again because he just doesn't like to shoot. That's not, we're not going to score goals by that, especially when our strikers are so dire as they are at the moment. So, yeah, it's a difficult situation. But um, looking at the time, I think we should come to an end soon. I mean, we have talked about quite a few things. Um, so I, I, I'll just come to two you know, shorter uh, questions and also some short answers. Do you think Maurizio Sarri will still be here next season, Lawrence? Just in a few words or yes or no? Yes, I kind of explained why uh, earlier anyway, but yeah, I do think so. Not 100%, but I do think so. Andy? I would also say yes, uh, everything else would be stupid. Frank Lampard isn't equipped to do the job now. So, uh, yeah. Okay, second question, and this is... One, you know, next to uh, the manager question, the big one. Will we get to buy people, that, uh, players this season? Will we accept the ban or will we not accept the ban? Or will we go to cast to freeze it? Let's say it like that, because we can't actually uh, uh, appeal the ban itself, but just about freezing it. Lawrence? Well, I bloody hope not, because to me, by now, it's, it's stupid. I mean, it's pretty much, it's almost June now. Even if we get it frozen, like as far as I'm aware, as far the way I, you know, got it when I read things about it, is even if we got it frozen, it wouldn't be frozen from right now. So we probably have like two or three weeks off the window to actually sign people. Yeah. If if that's correct. And for two or three weeks of signing people, which we know we're really bad at because we're horrible at getting things done quickly in the transfer market, for two or three weeks to push the entire band on by another full window and that another full window would be a summer for us, leaving us with, you know, only being able to sign players again in the January window. That just makes no sense. Mm. Like it, it, to me, that's not smart at all. Like you can't buy good enough players and enough players this summer. Anyway, we're not in a position financially pulling wise. We're just lost hazard. All these good players will be like, well, they just sold the best player. And now I'm meant to come. Well, what, what, what now? Like we have to try and get somewhere within the next 12 months and then signs will next time in my opinion to properly you know help the squad improve and also in that 12 months we can see what we can do with certain players how far can Hans Nodoy get how far can Loftus-Cheek get even though they both obviously will miss part of next season with the injury not sure about Hans Nodoy but Loftus-Cheek a little bit anyway um, possibly like Mason Mount possibly like Kazuma Reese James or Aina you know you'll have to wait and see and then you can decide who do we actually need. Right now, you could say, maybe we need a right back. What if Reese James isn't good enough? Maybe we need a, a, another centre-mid. What if Mason Mount isn't good enough? Maybe we need another centre-back. What if Kozuma isn't good enough? Next summer, we should know whether they are good enough or not, and then we can make a decision on that. That's why signing players now wouldn't really make sense to me. Sign Kovacic. If you have to, sign Higuain. I don't mind. You know, I would love to have Tammy Abraham as a, just there. And then whoever is best plays, whether it's Giroud, Higuain or Tammy Abraham, I don't care. But I want three strikers at the club. We need to stop this bollocks of having two strikers. Mm -hmm. Stupid. Like you have way too, you're way too quick to have long-term injuries. Look at Loftus-Cheek now. We had five midfielders. Well, with Kante kind of got back now. But say Kante was injured for last night. We only had three midfielders. You can't only have two strikers. Once you get one injured and then you play every three days, one striker has to play every game every week. Stupid. You can't do that. You need two, three strikers. So that's why, you know, fair enough. Buy Higuain, have Tammy Abraham. Then just play whoever's best, you know? Okay. No, fair, fair, fair. Uh, Andy? <laughs> I forgot the initial question. <laughs> <laughs> the initial question was, uh, will, we, will we see uh, a transfer window be the best oh, yeah. for Chelsea oh, yeah. or not? Maybe in a few words because we're... we're... Yeah, yeah, sure. I think it would be, with the situation being as it is, uh, it would be stupid to, to try to uplift it because uh, we haven't prepared any transfers whatsoever. We haven't the financial means to do any. 
And if you like dating back to what Jose Mourinho said when he was mentioned, he said four times transfer window, he, uh, he went to the Manchester United board and said he wants these four players. So obviously the time isn't given. We can quick to make transfers. Absolutely stupid to uplifted. Um, uh, get sorry to to make that one season because otherwise, if Frank Lampard comes in next summer, he will have to face a transfer ban. That would be stupid. Season um, as a season where also us fans we might not have success, but the success will be to uh, actually integrate for once uh, our lone army players, youth players, and I think if we that and two or three players get into the first I think that would be a huge success and I would even if we do that um, I would be so happy to see Mason Mann, Tammy Abraham the other players uh, getting a crack um, um, I hope we are not uh, uplifting the transfer ban or do uplifted. Okay. Can I just ask you guys a quick question because I'm intrigued into your opinion did you think Lacazette should have had a penalty yesterday because because I personally thought we got away with one there because as light as the contact was, Kepa's hands did touch Lacazette's shin and then he went down and then he collided with the head and whatever. Uh, I've never seen a penalty like that not given. Never. uh, When the ref saw what happened, I've never seen it not given. But I think for time reasons, we can talk about that afterwards, but because otherwise, if it's longer than the hour, then we can't actually... Uh, I'll give you a quick answer. Come on, I'll give you a quick answer i say uh first glance i said yes penalty. second glance uh with the review i said no all right well uh i would also love to go into detail about that but uh time wise otherwise it's a bit of a problem with the uploading um one thing one will still say regarding the transfer ban we will know about whether we're going to appeal or not very soon because we only have a few more days to do it um so We'll get clarity in that regard very, very soon. That's all for us from us for today. Uh, unfortunately, because I'm sure we could have spoken for another hour over everything Chelsea after that great game yesterday, and unfortunately, an uncertain future in many regards. But we wouldn't be Chelsea Football Club if everything was, you know, as clear cut as we think it, or we as we would like it to be. I want to say one more thing. Uh, Regarding Andy, of course, leaving the podcast. Andy, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we've had a great time since September. Always love working together with you. Maybe we can see you come on the podcast in incognito at some point in, in the future. <laughs> and, um, of course, I wish you all the best uh, at your new job without going into detail there. So, yeah, it's a pleasure. And yes, uh, Lawrence, we will be, of course, speaking quite often now. Look forward Good. to that. Um, we'll still go into detail about what is going to happen with the podcast. We will keep you up to date. Until then, please do follow us uh, everywhere on social media, on Twitter. But also please do subscribe on YouTube uh, and our channel. The links will be in the description below. Uh, give us a great rating on iTunes. It would be very much appreciated. Uh, normally we would plug each other, but as Lawrence is uh, going to be part of this, chan- uh, this channel and this podcast from now on, I think we can scratch that for today. I think that's it. Be, be happy. Celebrate this win, Chelsea fans. And we'll see you again in uh, ne- next week with our last episode, and you'll get more information then. Until then, up the Chelsea and keep the blue flag flying high.